You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. I will say right now that at two o'clock Pacific time, uh, when this is being recorded, it is hot. When I ask my kids how hot, um, they both in unison, a 13-year-old boy and a 7-year-old girl, both responded, how I said, how hot is it? They said, hot as balls. So um, that shows what kind of parent that I am. Um, cheers to everyone. I hope you're having a good day. Um, but anyway, uh, heat wave aside, I know I know England is currently undergoing some sort of uh, ridiculous heat wave, and it's, it's, it's significantly hotter here than it should be um, based on where I live. But I'm not going to complain because sunshine is good. Um, put some sunscreen on, wear a hat. Uh, go outside, get some vitamin D, um, all of that stuff. But um, that's not why we're here. This is not a, a, sh- a show on the weather or or health, for that matter, um, given the amount of alcohol that I consume uh, during during the summer months as a teacher. But um, anyway, this is episode 78. Welcome to the show. If you haven't been with us before, thanks for joining us. I uh, hope you find it entertaining. Uh, on this week's episode, I talked with Todd Fichtenberg. He's on Twitter at Toddrick33. Uh, the link to that is in the show notes. Uh, he also hosts a podcast. It's called Podcast for Columbus. And so it's at podcast number four CBUS. So uh, links to those are in the show notes. But anyway, Todd this week joined me to talk a little bit about um, him becoming a Saints fan, uh, his trip over to St. Mary's, which he took earlier this year. He also made the trip over to uh, to Dortmund because uh, he also uh, enjoys following Dortmund. But he is a big uh, Columbus crew fan. And there has been and there is currently ongoing uh, some issues surrounding that club on or off the pitch, I should say. Uh, they're doing just fine on the pitch, but um, we will talk about that kind of at length. And it was always going to be part of the conversation because you're not going to bring up Columbus. You're not going to talk to a Columbus fan unless you you bring that up. But um, Todd and I really kind of enjoyed that conversation and continued that conversation. So um, I, I hope that you enjoy it as well, uh, even though you're definitely not tuning in to hear about MLS clubs week in, week out. The, uh, and so you won't get this week in, week out. But uh, like I said, we couldn't bring up uh, or talk to a a crew fan without talking about some of the issues facing the the, the team in their in their leadership. So uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the friendlies that 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 are that are going on currently, uh, the three three Vishalka and the one coming up on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk about some transfers. Obviously, you know, at, at the time of recording, the Vestergaard transfer was not nearly as concrete uh, as it seems now. As it looks right now, at the time of recording, it looks like uh, he will. Uh, be announced shortly. So uh, about the time you're listening to this, or maybe even before um, that, that, that transfer should go through. Uh, and we look forward to getting the big, powerful, strong center back that we don't currently have in the squad um, into the squad. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. So uh, in addition to all that, 
Uh, we do answer some listener questions. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the show. That's basically the running order of it. Um, and for now, because we talked for uh, quite quite a while, a little bit over an hour, uh, we'll just get straight to it. So this is my interview, uh, my, my discussion, my chat, whatever you want to call it, with Todd Fichtenberg. He's at Todrick33. Uh, this is the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you after the interview. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Todd Fichtenberg. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Todrick33. Uh, he is a Saints fan. Uh, out of Columbus, I believe, a uh, big crew fan as well. So uh, we have a lot to talk about today from transfers to the uh, to, to the friendly that we've played. Uh, lots of people coming to the squad and some World Cup stuff as well. Uh, so Todd, welcome to the show and thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing. It took me a while to find a Saints podcast uh, when I was becoming a fan. So I appreciate what you do and how you're committed to it because I know from trying to podcast, I've had to cancel mine several times because nobody ever upholds their end of the bargain. So yeah, that <laughs> so is, I appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> that is always the, uh, my, my worry is so I've booked guests far, far in advance before. And then, you know, you follow up, follow up, follow up. And then you get to the day before you're supposed to record. And they're like, actually, you know, I can't do it. And it's like, well, I hate you, but I still love you. <laughs> and I'll talk to you later. Cause you can't say that. Um, but, but you want to, um, so yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And, I mean, like we said, there there are lots there's lots to talk about because you're obviously an American fan. So there's 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 that story uh, of how you were connected, and um, your your MLS club uh, has a lot of stuff going on with it as well. And we'll, we'll discuss that because we have a new owner, and uh, I think there are some links there that we we kind of talked about beforehand. So we'll we'll get to that. But um, before we do any of that, um, you know, the the people constantly ask me, and then the question that I most often get when somebody starts listening to the show is, how did you become a Saints fan. And I, I kind of direct them all the way, usually back to episode 16, where I think I gave the best answer. Um, but, uh, that was with Glenn Delacour and, and I have to warn them, like, you know, there's lots of language in that episode, which is great. Um, unless you're listening <laughs> to kids. Um, but I, I think I've, I've kind of mentioned it a bunch of times, but, but for you, you know, how, how did you become a Saints fan and, and, you know, what, what drew you towards, towards this club in particular? Yeah. There's that old cliche that you don't pick your football club, your football club picks you. So it's kind of what happened. So when NBC, NBC Sports here in the States started getting the rights to the Premier League, um, it's around 2014 that I actually started watching. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of speedy wing play. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, a fast player, but somebody that is a playmaker, um, makes good runs, makes good passes. So I loved watching Eden Hazard. And I knew that most American fans were Manchester United fans. And so I avoided Manchester United because, you know, no offense, I know you live in California, but like the Lakers or the Cowboys or uh, like the Yankees. Yeah, it's like no, no need to apologize. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to pick the big <laughs> the big club. So I watch Eden. There's two teams I liked. I like watching Eden Hazard at Chelsea and I liked watching Southampton. Mm-hmm. And then I found out when Chelsea won the league in 1415 that they're a powerhouse rich club. And I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, so. I'm a huge Titanic nerd. I don't know if that's uh, going to hurt me to admit There's a market that. for that. <laughs> so I had known that the Titanic sailed from Southampton. And I'm from Flint, Michigan originally. I lived there most of my life until I moved here for law school. Um, and it's a working class town. Um, so I liked that aspect of it. And I liked the idea of the quote unquote Southampton way. I know that's kind of shifted the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But with the Academy, um, NBC Sports did a really cool segment on the Southampton way that that sold me. It was with Gareth Bale and a bunch of other guys in it. 
and how much they love their time at Southampton. I was like, you know what? That's my team. And that's how we're here. All right. All right. Uh, and I'm sure it helped when we had Mane and stuff playing on the wing as well. That probably, probably made it a little easier. Um, yeah. Well, when I dislike L- Lovren and, you know, Van Dyke and people are like, well, do you hate Mane? I'm like, nope, he was class. I can't, I can't hate Mane. Yeah. And actually even Tadich and Long, you know, they got me a lot of fantasy points at the beginning, maybe not the last couple of years, but, uh, but they were, got me lots of points in fantasy. <laughs> I'll be honest. Last year, I did not own a single Southampton player on my fantasy team. Um, and I won my league, but only because I was the only one who just did it the whole year. Um, so, I mean, you now, you li- do you live, you live in Columbus? Yeah, Columbus, Ohio, like right in the middle of the United States. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so in Columbus, obviously you have, you have an MLS team there, but um, I'm sure you've been to a, a few crew games and, and all that. And hopefully, uh, well, maybe, hopefully you didn't watch the match last night against uh, the Galaxy. Oh, man. Didn't go well, but... Can't believe I stayed up for that. Yeah, sorry. Um, I'm not a Galaxy fan. If you know that, I think. Good. Um, but yeah, um, Houston, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, you you've been over. You t- you took a trip last year. I mean, I took a trip over during kind of uh, spring break for me. Um, I was at the West Ham match, but you uh, were able to to kind of travel to England and Germany. Um, you know what was that? What was that like? Uh, you know, the first time you were over at at a a European uh, and an English club. It was great. It was actually the first time I've ever been outside of North America. So that was a blast. My mom was actually born in um, North Rhine-Westfalen in Germany. Mm-hmm. That's the state. So they're federal like the United States. They have 16 states. And Borussia Dortmund is in that state. So okay. I actually like Borussia Dortmund because this is dumb, but because they're black and gold, just like the crew are black and gold, like go. my MLS team. And plus they have Christian Pulisic now, who's the best American player ever. Um, so I went there um, to um, to see Bruce Dortmund. Now, that's 80,000 crowd, so that's not quite the same experience as going to St. Mary's. But I actually enjoyed my time in Southampton more. Like, it's hard to explain. Just the connection to the city, um, the people. It was so much fun just to walk around the street. And I'd, all I had on was a red and white scarf. People would stop and ask me, hey, three points today. And I was like... This is pretty cool because nobody really does this in my hometown. No. And when you're in Dortmund, pretty much everybody is wearing Dortmund stuff. So yeah, well, can can I ask you like what was it like being being in the stadium in in Dortmund? Like what was it? One was it difficult to get a ticket? Was was it sold out? And was that difficult? Yeah, I actually have a. It's actually through a connection with the crew, but I have a friend who lives in Dortmund, so okay. he had, he went through a very hard time to get. It. He paid a lot of money for for nosebleed seats, but it was incredible. I didn't know that they did. Um, you never walk alone, kind of like our friends at Liverpool. So I guess they have a big connection there, which I didn't know until I got there. So that might have changed my my allegiance. But um, yeah, but no, it was it was a blast. Like I'm not a huge crowd person. Okay, I don't like being in big crowds. But just everybody in unison is really fun. Actually, that game, the fans got really upset and they whistled every time they did a back pass, oh. and um, because they were having like a kind of a rough a rough part of their season. So that was a blast to like listen to 80,000 people like in unison in agreement with how they should treat, you know, the team because in America it's like, Oh, you don't, Oh, you don't ever boo your team. You know, you don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. You know, they're playing for you and stuff. And so it's kind of a different mentality that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, at, at the saints game, what, who did you see them play when you were there? Did you see, was it Brighton? Yeah. It was the 31st January. It was Brighton and Hove Albion. It was a Wednesday game. So I stayed at Jury's Inn, um, kind of in the city center, and so it was about a mile walk. 
kind of like right between the train station and St. Mary's. So I actually walked three times in St. Mary's that day. I, I don't know if you ever heard of geocaching, but there's actually a geocache that involves the names of the supporters kind of on the, on the ground in front of the main entrance. And I, I was actually kind of sad because I couldn't figure it out because a lot of the plaques had washed away. Like uh, you couldn't read what they said anymore. Okay. I was like, oh man, they should really get that to go. And then I found out that the players come out and actually greet the fans as they park the cars in the parking lot or car park, whatever you call it. And so I was like, well, I'll come back. So I came back at whatever time it was. I think it was three local time. And that was actually a pretty neat experience of, I mean, being quote unquote small town club. Um, Cause I'm, I'm sure any of the London clubs don't have that, but they literally stopped at every single person that was in the line and said hi to them, shook a hand, took a picture, wow. gave an autograph. I was really impressed. The only two, they were telling me that Bertrand and Cedric apparently go in a different entrance. So <laughs> other than that, I think I pretty much saw the whole team. And this makes me even sadder now is that um, I was fiddling with my phone when Tadich went by. So I didn't get the picture with Tadich, but, uh, but now I've lost that opportunity. It's all right. I, I mean, you, you've been giving me a hard time on Twitter for a while about, about my love for <laughs> Tadich. It's all right. Um, well, now that I'm on, I have to tell you, no, I was, I was a big fan too. And so in my club team, my favorite player is Ethan Finley who I got a lot of grief for when he started to go down in form. Right. Um, so, so it's out of love. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's move and, and talk about, about, about the crew a little bit, because I, I kind of remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe it was 2014. Uh, you guys had that, you, you made the final and then it, it was some bizarre mistake, I think by the goalkeeper to, to, to put the other team up just kind of right away. Um, I don't remember who they were playing at that point, but I, it might've been the Timbers maybe. Um, yeah, Portland. I mean, so I, that that was really my first um, that's my first kind of real memory of the crew being from the West Coast. And and honestly, MLS coverage in the United States is not. I guess it's similar to the Premier League coverage in in England, where you know you don't get every game televised on TV, whereas we can watch every Premier League game, you know, known to man possible. You know, we can do that. But uh, MLS MLS, I don't see a lot of the crew because they, they tend to show a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of the galaxy, uh, a lot of the, a lot of sporting Kansas city, a lot of the timbers and a lot of the sounders. It seems to be the, the teams that I get to see. Uh, and then the, the New York teams as well. But, um, I mean, get, t- tell me, give, give us some history because there are some off field things kind of going on with the club. Um, and just kind of run us through that and run us up to maybe the last five, 10 years. If you want to go on the field and off the field, that that's fine. Yeah. So when I first started becoming an actual, you know, I'd say diehard soccer fan it was about the same time as the, you know, NBC sports started showing the premier league. So major league soccer started in 96. Um, when the United States hosted the world cup in 94, that was one of FIFA's requirements is that we have a division one league that actually is a decent league. So that's how MLS was born. Crew was the very first franchise, the first officially awarded franchise the first team to start, the first soccer-specific stadium in the United States. Um, and then they won. It's, I moved to Ohio in 2008, but just to show how little America cared about soccer at the time, I had no idea there was a soccer team in Columbus when I moved here. And that's the year they won MLS Cup. So that shows how much even the local media covered the team. Um, and so I started going in about 2013, season ticket holder in 2014, which is really cool because... Um, to kind of explain a little bit, most of your listeners will find this very weird, but there's a playoff system. So they have something called a supporter shield that the winner of the table wins, which is what you would, your listeners would call winning the league. Right. 
well, nobody cares about the Supporter Shield, but Crew won that in 04, 08, and 09. And then we have a competition called the uh, U.S. Open Cup, which is the same as um, the FA Cup, where all the other Lord teams play. And we won that in 2002. The sad part is Major League Soccer has a monopoly on Division One, so they don't want any other team to get coverage, so they kind of stifle the, the coverage of the competition until all it's all MLS teams. Right. So... We won MLS Cup in 2008, and then in 2015, the second year as a season ticket holder, we made it to the final. I was like, this is great. This is the pinnacle of my sports career here, being at a sold-out Columbus, Ohio. It was at-home uh-huh. show, and yeah, within the first minute, what was it, 34 seconds, uh, a goalkeeper made a little bit of a boo-boo, <laughs> and uh, Villary scored from Portland. And then it kind of, the game was lost at that point. We, I think we lost it two to one, but it's the single most greatest and worst experience I've ever sports experience I've had. Cause you, you were there then you were in the stadium. Oh yeah. I was there. I was there. Yeah. I like to sit in lower sideline seats. Okay. Um, and so where you can see the whole kind of the whole field and all what's going on. So yeah, I was definitely there. Our coach is Greg Berhalter. Um, he played for the men's national team years ago and they say he's, going to be the next coach we're one of the next coach or at least considered the next coach for the u.s men's national team but he plays a he rigidly plays a 4-2-3-1 like there's no plan b sometimes he plays three in the back with like kind of a three slash five but that's he insists on playing out the back and in 2015 during the cup game we were exposed that just it's like they knew he was going to play it out the back and and they scored on him and it was very sad i mean now on 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 the pitch you guys are doing okay Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you're in the playoff places. I think it's the top uh, six or seven teams. Six, I think, make the make the, yeah, make the playoffs. It's uh, crazy. There's 22 teams and six teams in each each division make it to the playoffs. It's crazy. It's almost it's more than half of the teams. Right. But yeah, we're fourth in our division right now. So I mean, things are going decently on the pitch, but there's been a lot of turmoil, kind of kind of off there. And I think uh, you know, according to kind of what we said earlier, and and, and from the notes, like. It kind of starts in 2013. Is that when the the rumblings of of a possible move come come to fruition, or when 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 did the the new owners basically try to uh, or or decide they were going to try to move the team away from Columbus and, and down to Austin? Well, maybe this is where another connection to Southampton is because the Crew fan base is very pessimistic. It's always they as long as they've been a fan. Oh, we're moving to Vegas. We're moving here. We're moving there. Um, so that's why. My my nickname is Sunshine Brigade because I always try I always try to think positive. <laughs> so they used it as a uh, it was a different podcast. They were just being goofy, like oh you know we can lose ten nothing and Todd will still come on Twitter and say oh everything's great. Uh, it's getting harder, um, but so I used it. I ran with it. They meant it to hurt, but I used it for gain. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, in 2013, um, an out of town person bought our team. He lives in California, and at the time he promised oh. We're going to buy a house in Columbus. We're committed to Columbus. We're for Columbus. And everybody's like, oh, this is great. Everybody bought it. And then on October 16th of last year, Grant Wall tweeted that um, Precourt is, the owner is Anthony Precourt, and PSV is the, his company, Precourt Sports Ventures. He tweeted that Precourt and PSV were planning on moving the team to Austin, Texas. And so at the time, even then, I thought, oh, no, that's just a ploy. He wants a new stadium downtown because our stadium, even though it has history, um, you might be familiar with like the Dos Acero games where we beat in the world cup qualifiers, we beat Mexico two nothing every single time, except for the last, the last game. Of course, the one I went to, we lost, but, but, um, 
but so that's kind of when it started. And at the time, even the owner's like, well, I want parallel paths. I want to be in Columbus, but I'm also going to check out Austin. We need business partners, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out we've got some very smart people on Twitter and they did freedom of information requests. Um, they've looked into information. It turns out that MLS and PSV hired lobbyists like even before October. So for like the last three or four years when the owner's promising us, oh, no, I plan on staying in Columbus. I'm sick of the insecurities. That's a direct quote that he told our local newspaper. Um, and it looks like that was always his intention from the day he bought the team was to move it. That's, he, and he's even kind of admitted through his people that that way he can get rid of the expansion fee. He can buy a team for less money, get the team where he wants it, and then pay less money. So it's been kind of been kind of a hard year, to be honest. Uh, like yeah. It makes it much harder to go to games because you're like, wins are less exciting losses are more like yeah whatever who cares <laughs> so it's been kind of a, a hard year but yeah because, i mean because you have you're, you're there and you know that the guy sitting in the in the owner's box in the luxury box is is looking at everybody out there and going like i i'm not here for you basically this is this is an investment and and funny you should say that he doesn't even show up to games really he doesn't even show up to columbus the last time he was in columbus was in october Man. um he came to a playoff game actually that's that's another thing so uh, we had a lot of sellouts the last few years, and we had the largest average growth of MLS teams. But what they started doing is now they report exact attendance, like at certain times. So I think it's at kickoff. So we had a playoff game last year that was sold out, and they closed a couple gates. They hired less security people. So there were thousands of fans waiting to get in at kickoff, and they reported the number of people in the stands at kickoff just to kind of – so that's the kinds of gamesmanship that's going on is to to say – here's the reason why we need to move the team. Nobody's showing up, but they're fudging the numbers and kind of doing what they want. So it's, it's actually quite depressing when you stop and think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just for anybody who may not be familiar with the United States, like Austin now, Austin, Texas is like, if you think of Texas and all of the kind of preconceptions that go along with Texas, Austin is not it. Austin is like the new up and coming hipster, like tech. Oh, there's all kinds of conferences and stuff that go there. So like the idea that the pre-court would want to move a, a club to Austin would be um, it would probably thrive uh you know any club that goes there would probably uh be in a good situation assuming they can get uh, a stadium that's downtown because that's a big thing a lot of these mls stadiums are even if they're soccer soccer specific stadiums or football specific stadiums they are they are so far removed from from the city center that uh you know you can't just show up to it you have to drive for for you know miles and miles or, or hours or whatever just to get there but um one thing that's going to save us though is the fact that he's such a it's like the Keystone Cops. They have no idea what they're doing. They haven't done their homework. The land that they're trying to purchase is 16 miles from the urban core. It's actually an old dump waste site, and that's the site that they're trying to get. It doesn't even have public transportation, and it has enough parking for, I think, 1,000 people. Like that's, that's, how, that's how badly he wants to get rid of the team to move in the city that he wants to live in because the deal that they have is horrible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but and that's what he's trying to do. Like it's it, it's crazy. So that's what I joke is like the only reason that if we had like a competent person trying to move the team, it'd be gone. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be. And so just to give listeners a little bit of context is uh, Major League Soccer is a it's a single entity LLC. So it's a single business, meaning that all the teams are owned by MLS. So MLS can basically do what it's want. The players contract with MLS to get paid by MLS mm -hmm. and so they can kind of do what they want there. Uh, we don't have promotion relegation. So I know in England, the big controversy was when 
MK Dons, I think I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. when, when somebody bought Wimbledon and moved them, and they moved them just down, what was it, 20 miles or something? It wasn't thousands of miles. Right. And what's great about that is that you have promotion relegation where I think just this year, Wimbledon actually is a league higher than NK Dons. They were able to do that. They were able to have supporter purchase team, right. get your team, get going, get in a better league, but we don't have that, unfortunately. Um, so if MLS is gone, soccer, for all intents and purposes, is gone. I mean, we have lower leagues like USL, but 4,000 people show up maybe to those games, 3,000, 4,000, if that much. And so it's just not the same quality. It's not the same fun. It's not the same crowd. So uh, not to be disparaging, but there's just no opportunity to 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 get back in MLS if, if this happens. Right. So much of the, so many of the NAS, NASL teams, I don't, I'm not a huge expert on it, but a lot of them are folding and they can't, they can't afford to, to continue. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, there, there are going to be issues with that moving forward because the, the opportunities for uh, people to play at a semi-decent level uh, of, of football here in the States is, is going to become harder and harder to, to find. So it is harder. And then NASL is actually in litigation with us soccer because of, uh, not having the money, and then the Division One monopoly, they're saying it's an antitrust violation. But yeah, even in MLS, the minimum salary, I think, is currently like 68000 Right. So not that that's not a lot of money. Like I know a lot of people would want to make that, but when you're talking about professional sports, that doesn't really draw the talent when you can only pay certain people, <laughs> you know, maybe. Because like Toronto, there's three players in Toronto that make more money than the entire team combined. Mm-hmm. Actually make more money than the entire crew combined because of quote-unquote designated players that can make, you know, the league makes up rules as they go. Right. We have target allocation money, general allocation money. They just they just make it up, and it's really sad. It's a business more than more than it's about soccer. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, now the Europeans and the UK people are thoroughly confused. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, I mean, so when people criticize the league, go for it because the the league has has set themselves up for it. But you know, not kind of how MLS is set up and structured does not kind of represent, uh, I think how you and I maybe look at, look at it and would want it to run. Um, but there are issues kind of all over the place. So. Absolutely. I think it's good context to see, you know, maybe why this, maybe this is why we have an advance as, as the soccer nation we could be is because of all the, uh, I guess couldn't call it corruption at the top. So, so yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions if people want to talk about it on Twitter. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, interesting resources. One cool thing about having Twitter is the crowdsourcing, like hashtag save the crew. Mm-hmm. If you go to save the crew.com, you can just see everything that's been going on and you'll be amazed. You'll be like, these people are making this up. There's no way that this is going on, but it's, it's definitely going on. Yeah, so, absolutely. So check it out. Yeah. So uh, we'll put, you know, the link to save the crew.com and all that stuff. And if anybody's interested in just kind of following along and seeing, uh, you know, maybe your soap opera once the world cup and before, uh, you know, before the premier league season officially kicks off, you want to fill up your time with some, so basically daytime TV drama, it looks like, uh, it, it is there. So we, we, you, you can do that. So, um, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And if you write a blog, I mean, uh, I know Chelsea's main site wrote an article on it. It's the more international exposure it gets, the more embarrassing the league looks. And you might think, well, why do you want the league to be embarrassed in America? Like I do, I want this sport to be as popular and as high quality as it is around the world, but it's never going to happen with, with the people that we have in charge. So, yeah. I mean, even I went to a, uh, I mean, I try to go to a Houston dynamo game or two, uh, every season. And even when you show up, man, it's, it can be I mean, going to, when they, when they play in San Jose, it's a big deal because they used to be there and then they move the team and all this stuff. But like, I mean, the stadium's not full. 
I mean, the, the, they built a soccer specific stadium, it seats 18,000 people and, and it's not filling up. So it's uh, there are things that need to be worked on for sure. But yeah, so that's one good thing about Saints fans is even you have an out of country owner and international owner. Like, I don't really think you can legitimately worry that he'd ever do something like this. It, it would be virtually impossible, like like from a structural standpoint and from a, you know, outrage standpoint, because it's so developed there um, that, you know, here basically owners can do what they want when they want. You mentioned the San Jose move. They moved San Jose to Houston uh, because they promised them a new franchise in two years. So it's just like they just do what they want, whatever gets the money. And it's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is it okay if we, if we move on from, from the crew and talk a little bit about uh, some of the other things that are going on? Of course. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, obviously we're both from, or we both live in the United States, but, but England are through the semifinals now, uh, for the first time since 1990, I believe, uh, they're going to meet Croatia. One of the questions that we got from a listener is, is it coming home? And my response to that immediately is yes. 2026. <laughs> we'll, we'll at least get to watch it and, and, and it'll be here for a while and I'll probably go somewhere else afterwards. Cause I don't actually expect the United States to win, but, um, you know what? Well, look how far Russia went, man. The home field advantage might we might make it. But I was looking at the last time that Russia made the semifinals was in 1966. So I was ready to tweet. I had the tweet ready yesterday. Football's coming home because you know that's a sign. You know Russia's in it. The semifinals again, right, but then right, Croatia right, right. ended up besting them at penalties. So yeah. But I don't know. This is to me as a neutral. This has been the most exciting World Cup. Well, I mean, I, I haven't seen that many. I followed that many, but. But there's so many storylines and people are like, oh, well, the quality of football is not great. But honestly, I think this shows parody that, you know, maybe the powerhouses don't aren't going to rule over everybody anymore because I'm a huge Germany fan and they got put to shame in the group stages. And and I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, it's I mean, so many of the games were meaningful, you know, and and so many of the games came down to a late goal or you know, a late decision or there were chances late in the game that I think for me, that makes it, that makes it exciting. Even if the game itself isn't free flowing, isn't full of attacking, isn't like, you know, like I, I don't mind watching, watching the, um, even Portugal for, for, uh, some portions of their game, play this kind of stodgy stop and, and go kind of game. But I don't know, like I, I've enjoyed this, this world cup, uh, immensely and part of it was it was on during summer school and i had i had all the games just on it was just rolling through uh all, all the matches uh, all, all day long so it was kind of nice um but even yesterday even even the, the russia croatia match was um you know i wouldn't say it was high quality there were guys falling down all over the place by the end of it but it was still kind of exciting you were sitting on a knife's edge and uh you had a, a late go-ahead goal and then you had an equalizer i think it was all it was all fantastic so um, yeah, and I think that's going to play in England's favor is that Chris is going to be exhausted. So um, take advantage of that. Make it to the final. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's two two matches in a row where they've had to play 120 minutes and go to penalties. And they didn't win either of those penalty shootouts convincingly, you know? Right, exactly. And then it'd be kind of cool to see Belgium and England actually play. That would be kind of fun. So that's that's what I'm rooting for. Yeah, they, uh, they said on the Guardian Football uh, Daily uh, podcast the other day, uh, yesterday, you know, uh, somebody wrote in and asked them, wouldn't it be nice or it wouldn't be nice because they obviously, they want England to make the final, but if they get to the third place match and Belgium gets to the third place match, do you think our reserves want another shot at taking down their reserves? <laughs> and I, it made me laugh. So, uh, you know, I, all the, all the best to everybody because, uh, or to the England team, I guess, because I, I don't have, like I said, I, I don't have anybody in this, in this game, 
kind of what I was watching for, for, for most of the world cup was I was watching Yasita. I was watching Cedric. I was watching Bednarak. Um, I was really actually thinking that, that Serbia was going to have a, a decent chance of going through and, and actually doing some damage. Um, unfortunately they didn't do that. Um, but I mean, what, what did you make of, uh, uh, of the performance of, of the saints players as we kind of shift this conversation towards, towards, uh, saints in, in general, but, uh, you, you know, who do you think kind of came out of that of the three of them that are with us now, because obviously Tadish has gone to, to Ajax, but um, of Yoshida, Cedric and Venerak, what do you make of, uh, of their performances and who do you think kind of came out of that with uh, something they can kind of bring back to the club and, and, and their club form? Um, I don't know per se, if they're going to change the way their, their positions are at the club or anything like that. Um, I do think that they all had with the exception of maybe Cedric, they all had at least some sort of a boost um, or like, not ego boost is the wrong word, but some sort of like accomplishment. Um, like Bednarok had a goal. Um, everything, at least here in the American media, was kind of the writing about the Polish team said that, oh, he was young and made a lot of mistakes. I didn't really pick up on that, but that seemed to be what all the media was saying. But he did get that goal, and it was a good goal. It wasn't a fluke. It was a, a nice set piece. I'm going to hit that ball as hard as I can to find a, a small space and score. Um, Yoshida, Japan's strategy was basically to park the bus. Um, and set up defensively, which he was looking really good at that. Um, obviously, that's not how we really want Saints to play. We want our attacking of the of the 2012-2013 era back. Right. Um, but he did really well, I thought. And then um, I don't... The only goal that Belgium scored that he maybe had a part in was... Um, I'm not sure if he was supposed to mark Fellaini, but there was two guys on Fellaini when he scored the header. And so, I mean, that happens sometimes he was on the far side of Fellaini. So I don't think he could have right. really done anything about it. Um, and then on that brilliant counterattack by Courtois to do the game winning goal. I mean, he was still back ready to take the corner. So still offensive minded, which was, yeah. which was good. So I don't think he did anything wrong there that who could have anticipated that, that five second counter goal. Like it was yeah. actually one of my favorite goals of the competition. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's gotta be on the, the management and, they they made Japan's coaches or manager made a, a, two weird decisions in that tournament, and one was that they just didn't play football for the last ten minutes against Poland at all. They just passed it around, and Poland allowed them to do that because they were banking on um, the the goal to the Colombia Senegal match remaining the same, which meant Japan would go through. Um, they did that. That was uh, and and I think they said afterwards that they were a little bit disappointed because that's not they understood that even though they were playing within the rules uh, and and they were through that they would have kind of expected themselves to do something, you know, play differently. And so you see the opposite of that when they, when they go up and take that corner where they send everybody forward, your moments from, from added time um, or from extra time in extra period. Um, and they put everybody forward and they just get, they get caught on the counter. And that was such a brilliant goal. And I don't know yeah. if you saw what, what Belgium did to, to Brazil, um, you know, in, oh, in yeah. the quarterfinals, but I mean, they, they are so deadly there and it's just, Oh, like, you know, watching them play like that, like I'll watch that all day, you know? Um, and I hope I, you know, I kind of hope that, that maybe France will take care of them in terms of, of England's chances. Cause I don't think, I don't think that's going to go well for, for England, but we'll, we'll see. And, and that now people are shutting the podcast off if they haven't already. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I've tried to keep that to a minimum, but yeah, the Yoshida, uh, I mean the Japanese players, I mean, they have nothing to not be proud of. Right. I mean, 
to me, I like the fact that since they played defensive minded, they went for the win. They went for the win and it backfired on them. But, hey, they went for it. So I kind of like that um, uh, because the crew of the Saints, that's one thing that they're kind of the same with is they sit there in their own third and pass the ball around for 20 minutes when they're up a goal or when it's tied as if they want to win or tie and then inevitably give up the game losing goal. I mean, last season between both of those clubs, I think we lost like 20 points just because we try to kill off a game instead of going and trying to attack some more. So. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Inishita had a, an immense game against, against Belgium. Um, 14 clearances for him in that game. That's, just an absolutely yeah. astounding, astounding number because they were defending so much. And, and sometimes you just got to realize like, this is the system we have to play and, 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 you know, you got to do what you got to do to win. And, and overall, like, like, like you, you said, and we've talked about, like, I think he's going to have some confidence coming back, but I wonder, you know, coming back into that fold that we only sent defenders to the world cup. Um, Bertrand, arguably, uh, the best in that back line didn't make the England squad. Um, we have young center backs and then we have Yoshida and I still don't know if he's going to come in and, and, and be a part of that, of that, of that system, to, whether we play a three at the back or not. Um, I don't know what he has to do to kind of get into the, into the team. And I don't know if he, if, if people think he should be in the team kind of as a, as a first team player, or if his role is to be that kind of veteran presence and be willing to come in and play uh, whatever uh, you know, kind of whatever, position we need we need filled especially because if we sign kind of the the big kind of tall strong center back that people want to start sign i mean we've been linked to, to vestergaard now uh over the course of this week so if that if that's the the case um then i really don't know where where yoshida fits in in the system yeah the same i don't know i don't i think that he's proven himself and you know he rode the bench for a long time to get his opportunity i'm not sure if the world cup will hurt him or help him but i think he'll always be have a solid spot in the lineup, whether it is coming in when necessary. And I think that's cool that he's willing to do that. I do feel kind of bad for him on that. Um, this transfer season's kind of silly season. I try to ignore transfers until um, Saints actually post it, which by the way, their little uh, FIFA card pack thing. I mean, the media, the media team at Saints is incredible. They always, they always have something really cool. So um, I enjoyed seeing that, um, you know, like they open the pack and it's like, yeah, have have need yeah yeah no it's, <laughs> I thought that it's been cool. it's been good they're 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 planning up and they're they seem to be on the front foot with that um and if uh roma can stop stealing our ideas that would be fantastic so um luckily, <laughs> well, the one other player in the world cup oh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off yeah, but was, was cedric um i hope that he didn't take a hit on confidence like i actually rate him he was one of my favorite players to watch um i actually sat on the itch and end there in the front row. Since I'm single, it was easy for me to, I was one person, it's easy for me to buy a really good seat and put it on my membership card. So I kind of sat in the front row. Unfortunately, it's behind the visitor's bench. It's backwards from it is at Crew Stadium because okay. the home team wants to, uh, the home coach, he wants to be in the AR's ear. So I thought, okay, well, I'll be on the AR side. But it, anyways, um, so I had a blast watching him, you know, bomb up and down the line. Um, but I hate the handball rule. I think they should get rid of it and rewrite it. There's no way that that was a deliberate handball in the Iran game. That should never have been a penalty. That was probably one of the harshest handball penalties I've ever seen. And I don't know if it was a result of that, but he got, he didn't play the round of 16 games. So I don't, I don't know if he got a knock. I didn't read anything about it, but I, I'm going to say that the reason that Portugal 
um, didn't beat Uruguay is because they didn't start Cedric. So that's what I'm going to say about yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I was disappointed not to see him in the lineup there, and uh, his replacement didn't didn't do well. And he's Cedric has started pretty much since the the their Euro campaign, uh, the Euro 2016 campaign. So uh, he's been a mainstay there, and it was really. I mean, it's disappointing when he's not in there. Um, but but yeah, it's. You wonder if it was because of that handball that he didn't get get to play or, or what it was because I thought his performances had been solid up until then. Like he he had done what he needs to do, um, you know, not it, being defensive minded, but also getting forward and, and being an option for for crosses. And uh, right. I don't have stats on how many of his crosses were successful or not. Um, I know I know Saints fans we make a lot of uh, of, of his poor crossing, his poor shooting, especially. But yeah, and so I hope that he's the only one I'm really worried about that he that he doesn't come back like with lower confidence. Cause I know a lot of fans were all over him on Twitter last season. Um, I, per, to me, his only weakness is he's short, so he's terrible in the air, mm-hmm. but otherwise I think he's solid. I think he's a top 10 right back in the league. Like that's, yeah. I know those are, <laughs> that might be fighting words, but, uh, but yeah. we can discuss that on Twitter. I mean, and also <laughs> like if you're playing a system where you have three center backs, he should never be exposed at the back post by himself on a center forward. Like that's a, that's a breakdown elsewhere. That's not on him. Um, right. and he can do everything he can, but at, at the height that he's at, um, that's not his game. And, and if we're going to play a system where we have three center backs, the, the center backs have to do a better job of, of marking those players. And Cedric should be, you know, Cedric should be on a post and, and clearing a ball off the line, not, not trying to mark a, a Lukaku or something like that. So, um, right. so yeah. Um, but kind of, I guess moving forward just a little bit with with the the team, uh, we played a, a friendly in China. The team is on on tour in China, and they were on tour in the United States uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they played, you know, the DC United under twenty threes. Uh, I watched it on YouTube uh, from uh, a vacation spot that we were at with some friends, uh, and it was great. This stream not so great. Um, it's it was it, it kept stopping, it kept pausing. There was no commentary. It was hard to see was going on but there were goals scored um the passing looked kind of nice i watched some of the highlights and things like that uh so we don't need to go into this this you know super in-depth because this is mostly about um fitness it's mostly about getting the guys back out there um but i can say just for me the one thing that i really really enjoyed was um the pass from from jordy classy to, to harrison reed and harrison reed little harrison reed small we talked about cedric being yeah. small holding off the defender, getting around him. And then just, you know, I'm just going to nutmeg the the keeper and just jog back to the center circle. Like I've done this before. So, um, that was my, like my, my favorite part of the whole thing. Um, the only thing slower than the stream was Forrester getting down to save a shot. Oh, man. Um, but man, that was, it was awful. But, um, for you, what was your kind of, what did you make of the game? What did you, what did you take away from that? So I missed the first half because I was driving to work, but, um, even though the stream was terrible, at least they had the replays were very clear. I don't know if you saw the mm-hmm. Saints Twitter handle posted them. So I saw I watched all the goals. Redmond's goal is really good. What a great pass from from Charlie Austin, like perfect through ball. Um, Harry Reid's goal was a lot of fun. I mean, that was a nice placement. It's kind of like a eh, little bit of patience. Eh, I do this all the time. Right. So I did kind of enjoy that. Um, honestly, on the third goal, the goalkeeper should have stopped it. Um, he kind of had a slip, but it was still fun to see us get three goals. Sometimes the preseason game is just a preseason game, but it, it was a fun game to watch. I like the intensity. Uh, one of the things that really hurt in the second half of the season last year was just watching players who just looked like they couldn't care less. Luckily, we found that it was only because they didn't care about their manager. So at least the, the fire and the passion came back towards the last few games. So that was fun to see, to get the rust off. It looked like, they, it looked like they're getting along. 
if you watch the videos of them at training, I know a lot of diehard football fans get mad about the training videos and why are they joking around, but I think it shows club cohesion and I really enjoy that. The only big takeaway I take back is that Forster has solidified his bench position. Unfortunately, um, he can't get down to stop a fast, low shot. And he, everybody knows it, including him. He knows it too. He has no confidence. Um, I feel bad for him because I really like the guy. Um, he was great in goal for so many years. He was, you know, one of England's choice, but it's just, it's just not happening anymore. It's difficult to see how Forrester gets back in the first team. And I think a lot of fans would be okay with him, him moving on. Um, I think I'm there too. And obviously the, the links with other goalkeepers and things like that, who knows, Uh, we get linked with all kinds of people and sometimes it's, it, there's nothing, there's nothing in it. So we kind of just, we just wait and, and see, but, um, yeah, I think for you going into Wednesday, cause there's a match Wednesday before uh, the world cup matches, uh, kick off, but, uh, or the world cup, the, the semifinal kicks off. But, um, what are you looking for there? Just, is it just more minutes? Is it just more, more, more changes and just watching guys play and get, get their legs back? Or what do you, what are you hoping for there? Yeah, I think it's more the same. I'm um, just to see, can we get goals? Cause that'll get the guys confidence up. Um, I don't think we can take much out of lineups. I think we'll see everybody play some minutes. Um, they almost completely switched the team in the second half. I rate Sam McQueen. I may be a little biased, but <laughs> but I, I do enjoy watching him play. Um, in the youth squads, he gets a lot of goals, but he has some really good clearances, and I always think back to that awesome tackle at the Manchester United game where he just nonchalantly runs back half the field and kind of just... I forgot who the attacking player was. Just runs in front of him, takes the ball away. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of him. So I'd like to see him get minutes and hopefully, um, hopefully get minutes in actual playtime. Cause that when he had rumored, when they're rumored that he's going to Bristol city, I was very, very sad about that. I was like, Oh man, no, don't, don't leave. Yeah. But now PA has left. So maybe he is solidifying himself as the, as the second heir to, to Bertrand. So I don't know what's going to happen. I do hope he gets minutes. He's, he's still young. Um, he's a Southampton boy. Um, he's always friendly to the fans. In fact, he's interacted with me on Twitter, so maybe that's why I'm biased. Yeah, it's <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, and we'll see. I think you know if Target stays, there's plenty of of depth there. But me, but I think McQueen actually plays better when he's further forward. You know, right? Um, no, I agree. So we'll see. And it looked like he was playing in a midfield role. I think um, in that game, instead of he wasn't playing a traditional kind of wing back or, or, or center or left back role. So, um, yeah, that was the worst part about the stream is I really couldn't tell what positions people were playing. Cause it seemed like everybody's all over the place, but yeah. Hey, we got goals. So I was yeah. happy. Yeah. Um, in terms of transfers, uh, I thought Armstrong looked fine. We haven't seen El Nusi yet. We'll see what that looks like. Hopefully he gets some minutes. Uh, that's actually what I'm looking forward to probably the most, uh, in this next is just to see him on the pitch and see how he works with, uh, Austin. And maybe he works off of Austin. Who knows? Um, that's actually really funny. Sorry to derail you, but every time I'm like Austin, like exclamation, exclamation, I get a lot of tweets from my crew friends. Like, why do you hate the crew? I'm like, no, no, Charlie Austin. <laughs> oh, geez. I didn't even think about that. That's awful. Um, yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Um, I can't help you there. Um, <laughs> it's a little side note. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the two kind of big things were, were, you know, Buffal and, and Carrillo not, not joining the club. Um, obviously Buffal fell out with, with, uh, Hughes last year. Uh, he was back in the squad for training for preseason, but he didn't make the trip to China. Uh, Carrillo is now, uh, since we've set this interview up is gone. He's, he's gone alone today, um, back with Pellegrino. So he is, he's out of the picture. He's on a year long loan. Hopefully he can go score some goals. And I think 
honestly, I think the 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 idea there is is get him there. Hopefully, he scores some goals, and then we can sell him on. Um, we'll probably take a loss on it. We he's obviously not the player we want or the player we need. Um, he's a big guy, but not a target man, and that's kind of you know we're missing all kinds of things there. So, um, granted, he did run around a lot, and he did uh, do his best. I have no fault of him there. He's just not the the player. Uh, we're looking for but um yeah i agree with that i, I actually i actually rate Crejo. like he actually played the game i went to okay and i liken it a little bit to like um, a kid in the kitchen making cookies like there's stuff going all over the place there's flour everywhere he's trying but he just doesn't get the service that he needs and he kind of became the scapegoat when he was uh, pellegrino's guy so i feel bad for him i think his time at saints is done i don't think he's a terrible people like people say he should not have been a record signing right but um, i kind of wish that he had had more of a chance but you know i enjoyed watching his engine like he was one of the few people who showed passion <laughs> at that time when it was kind of dark there for a couple months yeah i think if he's in the kitchen making cookies he's trying to make chocolate chip cookies and somehow he made peanut butter chip cookies and that's gross so yeah, he ended up making no cookies yeah unfortunately. <laughs> just just stuff everywhere um what about what about Jordy Classy though? Um, the the news has, has emerged that um, you know he was on loan last year, uh, but the club doesn't have the money to to make the transfer go all the way through to to be able to officially buy him. So they're hoping maybe to loan him back again this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? To be honest, I don't really have that much to to say about him, like negative or positive. I'm really not sure. I know every soccer player they want they want minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he's not going to get minutes with the first team at saints, you know, that then that's good for him. Then hopefully he can come back when he's, when we need him. Yeah. Uh, he's got, um, he has some attributes that, that can be great, but that, that midfield spot is so full for us right now that that's the one spot we probably don't need. Anybody is, is holding midfielder. And, uh, granted if he can, if he can rake passes like he did, uh, to, to read the other day, that's fantastic. But, um, Maybe he picked that skill up while he was on loan last year, but I don't know. I don't know what else. And and he will he will put in plenty of effort, and he will run around, and he will commit fouls, and and do all that stuff. But we also have Romeo who can do that. Um, right. But you know we we can't have two of those guys on the team at the same time, unless of course you're Belgium and you have Axel Witzel and and Fellaini doing it. Um, and just throwing elbows all over the place. But uh, anyway, um, I, if there was one other place uh, on the on the club that you wanted to see a signing now what what position would that be? I know the popular view is center back, but to me it has to be striker. Um, Charlie Austin is so injury prone, that, but when he's on, he's on. And then now with Crejo officially being gone, we, we need that target striker. Um, somebody who can either be a starter or a backup or, or maybe a plan B or something like that so that the drop-off um, from Charlie Austin to the next place is pretty low. And like I don't mean that disparagingly to Gabby Adini, but for some reason he doesn't seem to get the service he needs from this team. Like I remember when he first came, he was scoring a couple goals a game. I had him on my fantasy team, but for some reason I know he got that end of the season goal, but um, I hope that gave him confidence and I hope that he can get back into the team. But I'm kind of worried because of anybody that had like the, the messy Argentina head hanging posture. It, it was him. So I am worried about that position. I hope that, uh, that they, either tighten it up or, or have somebody in the wings ready to go um, if necessary. Yeah. I think hopefully we'll, we'll be linked, but I haven't, haven't seen a lot of that. I've, I've seen mostly, mostly center back links, but maybe that's because um, people just doubt, doubt our center backs and I can't fault them based on some of the, the play we had last year, but I do think that we have, I think we have talent there. I just, I'm just not sure if they, like I've said it before, but like, I'm just not sure we have the physical capability to deal with some of the, 
of the of the opposition that we'll come up against. So hopefully we can we can we can figure that out. But um, yeah, I think the only thing on center back is we never quite replaced Van Dyke, who is a world class player. Uh, but I think with who Yoshida Stevens Benderak, I think in some way, shape, or form, I feel pretty comfortable with them. I know that in this style we play, same as the crew play, like you are going to bleed goals. That's unfortunately part of the system but you also need to score goals so that that's why I'm, I'm pushing for let's get let's get more goals all right let's move on and answer uh a listener question or two before we have to to wrap this up um we have some some questions from some people on on england which i think we're gonna skip not because i don't <laughs> like them but because it's we've, we've talked a lot about a lot of other things so far Two uh, Yates talking about England that, that that just can't go right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I will I will let the you know I don't know if you listen to the Guardian um, Football Weekly or not, but um, the the game where England had to go to to penalties to get through uh, the their round of sixteen match. Max Rushton was in such just he was so just emotionally just drained as a result of that that I thought I found it hilarious. Um, so I will let him deal with all of that and I will, <laughs> I will, I will move on. So um, we have one match uh, or one question here rather from LJ underscore Cecil uh, on Instagram. And just a reminder, people can leave uh, questions on Twitter or Instagram. Just look for the tweet, uh, use the hashtag SFC Dell. You can send them in anytime DM, whatever uh, we'll, we'll try to get them on the show if we can. Um, but LJ underscore Cecil says, uh, regardless of the match against Shaka only being a friendly, what kind of impact do you imagine youngsters like Reed and Hesketh uh, might have during the next Premier League season, or do you predict Sparky to avoid testing the kids? So, uh, for you, uh, you know, I know we talked about Sam McQueen, but um, those guys that are kind of in that that age bracket that that not, they haven't been frozen out necessarily of the first team, but they haven't been given a lot of opportunities uh, under the the past two managers, uh, Hughes included. So, what do you expect from them? Do you do you think they're going to have a chance, or do you think they're going to be? Um, kind of replaced with with signings, and and they they'll have to go out on loan or, or play under twenty three uh, football. Yeah, I hope so. Um, didn't when Hughes came in, I think he had what six or seven games, and his whole goal was to keep us up. Right, right. So I don't I don't view him as one of the managers who didn't want the youth teams, but definitely the last two, um, Claude Puel and uh, Pellegrino. They definitely didn't even give them a look. Um, so I would like to. I know that there's a lot of derision about the quote unquote Southampton way. And, oh, well, the youngsters aren't getting time because they're not good enough. I don't mind, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, I don't think that we're going to be vying for the title. Um, so I have no problem. So it's not like it's we're looking for playoffs or anything. So I have no problem with um, if he does put some, just to try it, put some young kids in. Um, but whether he will or not, that's something I don't know. Based on the past two seasons, I would say if that's the trajectory of where the club wants to go, I'd say probably not, but I would not have a problem with it at all. If he put them in, Yeah, it's going to be, I think based on, on need, I don't think any of those central midfielders are going to get in there. I think if Reed is going to get in there, it's going to be probably as a right wing back or right midfielder. Um, like we saw him play, uh, in, in the friendly, um, he's going to have to continue to have good performances if he has any chance of getting in there. Um, you have other guys, I think our back line, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to get in, break into that. I don't think it, unless Cedric leaves, I don't see anybody kind of coming in at, at right back. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think, I think our breakthrough in terms of youth was Bednarak coming in last year. And I know he's not one of our own. I know he's not homegrown and all that stuff, but um, he, he came in, he broke in, he, he established himself. Uh, we talked about the goal he scored for Poland earlier. It was very similar to the goal he scored uh, against Chelsea uh, for yeah. us. 
uh, last season. So I think I think he is. If anybody's going to going to establish themselves uh, in that back line, I think it's going to be him. Um, and going forward, you know, I just I don't know. I don't I don't. I'm not sure what's going to happen with with some of the youth players going forward. I think maybe there's a chance for an attacking midfielder or or so to to, to make an impact there, but uh, we'll have to see. And and. I don't know. I think people don't really get excited necessarily about people get angry about new yeah. players not getting a chance, but people don't get excited. Um, well, it's kind of, you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't, right. you get mad, they don't play, but then they do play. You get mad. Like we spent money on these other players, but you make a good point about a lot of times attackers are put in defensive roles. So from that perspective, I don't think we're going to have any young players in defensive roles, but I would love as a plan B, if we're not scoring, you know, like we had trouble scoring last year. Why not? Why not try it? See if some of these guys can get some goals for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they play without fear. You know, sometimes they just right. go out and, and they don't have the the stigma hanging over them. They can just go and, and be in the moment and just play. And that's, that's, that's great. And uh, it's only when these guys come in, when you got to imagine every time Buffalo Redmond step on the field, they're, they're worried about the, the performance and what people think. And because they have been criticized so, so heavily uh, by the fan base in the past. So, um, and I know Redmond was out here in LA, uh, training and target was out here on vacation as well. Uh, but following Redmond on Instagram, not stalker status, but, but close. Um, he, uh, oh, that was you at the hotel. Yeah, he was, he was working. I mean, he was out there working hard. He was out there every day and, um, you know, it looked like he was, was preparing himself and he looked confident and, uh, yeah, I think we saw that, uh, the other day when he played that nice little one, two and, yeah. uh, got through and scored. So, um, I really like Redmond's attitude because you can take that two ways. You can take, oh, the crowd has turned on me. Well, forget it. I'm not even going to try it. But he's taken it as like, I guess, motivation to do better, which I've really been happy about. Yeah. All right. Um, there is a couple of other people who have asked, is football coming home? What do you think English yes. chances are for winning the World Cup? Well, I think at least getting the final, it's really good because of what we talked about before with Croatia being exhausted. I think that's an ideal lineup for England. Um, if Belgium do win on their side of the table, I don't know. I don't know about that game because the Belgium reserves beat England. So I, I don't know. I, I love Belgium. Of course, they have Eden Hazard, um, Kevin De Bruyne, Courtois is a goalkeeper. Like I, I would love to see a new team win the World Cup. Oh man, I just made your, I just made your ratings go down. But I'd like to see somebody who's never won it before win. Okay. So I'm actually rooting for Belgium. All right. Well, I. I'm rooting for England probably just because I have so many friends who are now uh, people I consider my friends that are in England over half the listeners to the show are, are, in, are, are in England. So it, my timeline, my Twitter timeline would be a mess. They would be distraught. So, uh, you know, I think if they make the final, they will be happy. If they lose it, they will be upset. But, but I think overall they'll look back and say it was a good score world cup, but also England's got an opportunity that they need to take advantage of. Uh, here simply because they they've had the run to the final that they've had. Um, you can only beat what's put in front of you and all that stuff, but um, they're there. They need to take advantage of this, I think. And uh, I, I, I think what started as an ironic uh, chant and cheer is now becoming something that everybody is, is starting to believe in, in England. So it's, it is, it is right. nice to see. And uh, because a lot of the South Hamilton's we, we haven't had confidence in our team for a while. So it's nice to to see people have confidence in their, in their national team, because obviously ours, um, is just hanging out. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those Toronto designated players are still playing for Toronto. So, um, yeah. And that's why <laughs> we're out, but that's, we can go a whole hour about that as well. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, 
Uh, I know that there's lots of other stuff that we can talk about, but uh, you know, we're running kind of short on time. Is, is there anything else that you'd like to add or uh, anything you'd like to say? And I know you run a podcast as well. So why don't you tell people uh, where they can find that and, and, and all that stuff? Oh, well, it's not really that great. We It's called podcast for Columbus. It's on Twitter at podcast, the number four C bus C B U S. And we just kind of talk crew world cup and whatever we, we got it up and started um, about a month ago. Um, so we're trying to be as consistent as possible. That's the hardest part. But as far as quality at this point, it's nowhere near this podcast or, or the other Saints podcast. So um, today we were talking about since our game was so bad last night that we might have a segment on food. So <laughs> so if you're looking for a great football podcast with lots of strategy, it's probably not for you. But if you want to hear more about Columbus and and what's going on and go ahead and give it a listen. All right. All right. Um, can I ask you one more question? Um, sure. I know, I know we said we we're going to go, but there is, there was one question on Twitter. Um, the name is, is long and I'm, I can't pronounce it, so I'm just going to skip it, but, um, it's there. And it says, Speaking of 2026, because I made a joke about it, and when I was writing the the Instagram post, it says, "What kind of change in American culture?" Uh, and, and English fans, you can probably shut this off now because you, you don't <laughs> care about this. But, um, you know, in in the United States, we kind of don't associate soccer as a as a sport or as, as football as the main sport. It is it is kind of the an, a, the other sport. And even though we push for it, I think missing the World Cup this year will hurt. But uh, it says, "What kind of change to American culture do you think needs to happen?" Um, to help us create a, t- a team that can win. And the guy says, I'm thinking about uh, soccer isn't a sport in America that seems to be uh, to be cared about or push their kids to excel in and how we as a country would uh, have to prepare to change the mentality to support the squad or bring a higher level of talent. Um, he then says, not sure if this is the type of question you, you were looking for, but it's something I've been wondering about. So, I mean, I mean, if there was something that you can change, maybe just one thing, that you think would have an impact on, on us being able to put forth a better product in terms of a national team. Um, you know, what, what, what is one of those things that you think maybe can, could, could, can change? Is it, does it have to do with MLS? Does it have to do with this, uh, the idea that only it's, it's in California, Southern California, it tends to be the rich kids play soccer because it, you, right. can, you have to play travel. Um, you have to be on these traveling teams. And, and honestly, like even I'm a teacher, I make a decent amount of money. I couldn't afford for my kids to do that, even if I wanted to. Um, I have friends who do it, and they're they're basically house poor, but they're 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 travel soccer poor because that's all they do. Right, right. This is a perfect question to to end the podcast um, because to me, football is community. It's and that's why them trying to move the team is so painful because I have a huge group of friends, people that I see every Saturday as a result of football. One of my biggest regrets going to Southampton is I'm a little bit more introverted is that I didn't reach out to people that I talked to on Twitter, say, Hey, let's meet up. Um, and Freddie, I actually walked right past him, um, as I left and I was like, well, I should stop and talk to him. I thought, no, he doesn't want to talk to me. I'm an American. It doesn't really matter. But I thought, you know, so moving that into the difference in the way Americans treat sports, Americans go to games watching games at home by themselves on TV. I'm not talking about soccer anymore. I'm talking like the other Mm -hmm. sports. It's all about like, you know, winning. And uh, it's kind of hard to explain. It's a whole different culture. Soccer is based around community. I think all the other American sports are based around, "Eh, I got some free time. Let me go to this game. Let me watch it on TV. Maybe I have a couple of friends over. So in terms of soccer, unfortunately, what the powers that be have done is capitalized financially on it from every level. So from from the academies 
if you're not rich, you can't play. Um, so I, after a game one day, I went geocaching. I live um, about a mile um, from me. There's a very, very large um, Somali population. Okay. And then there's also a very large Hispanic population. And I just went back in the apartments, you know, I was finding geocaches. There was at least five people. This is after MLS game. Immediately after five groups of kids just kicking a ball around, but we're not looking for that talent. We're looking for, and that's why we're not finding the talent because these kids play for fun. These kids play for, you know, to learn skills. You hear all the stories about Gabriel Jesus and about Neymar, where they came from. Um, if you don't have money, you can't play the sport in this country. And that's, that is sad. Um, so that's one thing that needs to change. And once we get more talent on that, um, I feel like the way that we pick our team is we're going to pick our best 18 people. And we need to pick a system and put people who fit the system into the system. And we need to teach the system from a young age. So we might be 60. We might not be lived to see us have become that footballing nation, right. but we need to take the money out of the sport and MLS needs to give up its division one uh, monopoly. Cause it's really, really hurting the, the growth of, of players. Cause um, some players stay and do poorly. Some players go overseas and sit on the bench. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is individual basis, but that would be the big thing I say is take the money out. That was a really long winded answer. So I hope no, that. no, I mean, question was, was difficult to, uh, to get through, but I think, I mean, I don't often talk to other Americans about this. It's, it's very kind of, it's probably one every 10 episodes or so that I have another American on the show. So it's, uh, it, it is one of those things that, especially now with the world cup going on and with saints kind of not, there's not a whole lot happening, you know? Um, it, it, I think it's a good time to to talk about that stuff because I think it is in, important and it's, I mean, you always see the kind of posts on Twitter and things like that, that are to support your local team. Or if you don't support your local team, then you're not even a real football fan. And there's this kind of right. back and forth, you know, how can you even be a Southampton fan or how can you be a Chelsea fan or how can you be the, when you don't live there or whatever. And I don't necessarily buy into that, but I do, I do think there's something to be said for, for supporting the, the club or the organization that is in your area or the the league that is in, or at least being a part of the league that is in in, in your country, just because there there is an impact that can be had as a as, as a fan and as as a supporter and things like that. And you know, I I do my best to get down and see the Dynamo whenever I can. Um, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily going to fly to Houston to see a game because for about the same right. price I can fly to Southampton and see a game, uh, and I don't have to sit in 110 degree heat um, in an empty orange stadium, which is bright and, and gross. Um, but th th that's just it. So, um, when, when they come to LA, I'll, I'll be down there. I'm looking forward to going down to, uh, um, uh, to, not to Carson, but to actually to see LAFC play. Um, and they have that new standing section. So I'm actually excited about that, but, uh, that, that's for another, another day, but, um, Todd, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for talking about this. Uh, I hope you, hope you enjoyed yourself and, um, you know, best of luck to, to you and, and, and the crew and hopefully, uh, the hashtag continues to go and, and the owner will be kind of forced if, if nothing else to, to keep the, the team in Columbus and Columbus to will sell locally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and people can find you on Twitter at, uh, Todrick 33, the link, all that is stuff is in the show notes. Um, and yeah, so, so thanks for joining me and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Well, thank you. I always like talking about saints and believe it or not, there's a couple saints fans in Columbus, so that's nice, but, uh, not many, but yeah. we'll, we'll try to spread the word. So absolutely. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. 
Special thanks this week goes out to Todrick33 on Twitter, uh, the Ohio-based Saints fan that I had the interview with. Uh, cannot thank Todd enough for taking the time to join me to talk about everything from his trip to St. Mary's uh, to the Save the Crew campaign to World Cup transfers and even answering some of your listener questions. Uh, once again, we appreciate all of the questions we get. I'm sorry if we didn't get to all of them. We had quite a few good ones this week, uh, and they were actually kind of bigger, larger questions that took some time to answer, so we couldn't get to them all. But uh, you can submit those questions on Instagram or Twitter uh, or Facebook. All you have to do is follow at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter or Instagram, or we're at facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address, but uh, follow along. You'll see the post for questions and then you just comment underneath or you can send a DM. You can do whatever you want. You can even email us at SouthamptonDelivery at gmail.com. Just say, hey, I have a question for the show. Uh, we really appreciate all the interaction we get. Uh, so don't ever feel uh, hesitant to, to do that. Thanks also goes out to our partner, the Southampton page for all your Southampton FC news and needs. Be sure to follow the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Our logo is designed by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Uh, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. The music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the intro show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. Uh, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to the feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcasts to be sure you do not miss future episodes been a long-time listener please consider leaving your review on itunes uh, it really helps other people find out about the show uh, and it makes me feel good which is also nice all right enough of this heat it's time to turn the air conditioner back on so i have to shut the recording stuff off we'll be back next week and until then from together we march on <laughs>